Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. I am so excited to be here with you guys. I said it last year and I'm going to say it again because it's still true. This feels like Christmas morning to me. This is like all my favorite parts about church all together in one room. Like I get to be in big service with the adults, but all the kids are here too, so I don't have to leave them because I always miss them terribly when I'm in here. Some people call it controlling, but I call it just like I love them, you know. Um, But first and foremost, I just want to say that our senior pastor, Pastor Kyle, is an incredibly gracious, very forgiving man. And I know you know that, but I know that 100% for sure. I'm going to tell you why. Me being up here right now is proof that he gives second chances, okay? Because about this time a year ago, I preached in big church for the first time in front of adults. I'd preached for youth and kids before, but this is my first time in front of adults. And I told a story, and in that story, I said the word but probably like 20 times, no joke, both services. And in between services, like, I, it kind of occurred to me that I had never cleared that with Pastor Kyle. Like, is that classless? You know, and in between the two services, I was thinking, like, I wonder if they've ever had to poll a guest speaker before and, like, just play a tape. Like, has... Well, he didn't. He let me preach both services, and he's letting me preach today. So either he's seen a lot of growth in me or he's just very gracious. I'm not sure. We'll see. But I just want to say thank you so much to Jess and Kyle for this opportunity I feel so incredibly blessed and so grateful to be here and to be a part of what God's doing at Adventure because he's doing big things. And I can't believe that I get to be a part of it. But also, before I go any further, I cannot, cannot go any further without saying a huge thank you to my Adventure team. So would you do me a favor if you serve in Adventure, even if it's not in Voyage and Discovery with me, but would you stand to your feet, please? If you serve in Adventure. Yes! Yes! Aren't they amazing? You guys, you guys, this team of people, they are so phenomenal. They make the world go round here at AC. And I tell them that all the time, and I think it sounds cheesy, but it's true. We could not do what we do without them. So would you do me a favor, and if you see them walking around later, would you give them a big hug? Would you high-five them, and would you say thank you to them? Because they are so fearless. They come on Sunday mornings. They come early. They're not afraid to plop down on the floor and sit with your kid and talk about Jell-O for like four minutes. You know, like, these are fearless, amazing people who serve deeply. And I just want to say thank you to you guys, because you're my friends, and I'm privileged to do ministry with you. Well, guys, I'm so excited to be carrying on in the Hall of Fame This has been a phenomenal series, and it's been really cool for me because this year specifically, I feel like the Lord has been bringing the Bible to life for me. I grew up in church, and so I've read the Bible in a year. I followed some Bible reading programs and all that good stuff, but for me this year, I feel like the Lord has really taken it and said, don't just read the stories and don't just finish the ending because you know it by heart, but really dig into the Word and let it hit you that this is happening This was a real moment that happened with real people who feel real emotions. I had a teacher in ministry school who would say all the time that she cringed every time someone would talk about Bible stories. 
Because the word stories brings to mind a fairy tale or something that someone made up, something that's not true. But these aren't just stories, they're real moments, they're real encounters. And so we've been latching onto these moments in the Bible and we've been like, what would it be like if we could sit across from these mothers and fathers, these heroes in the faith, and if we could ask them some questions, right? And my thing is, I love to walk. I think that like walking with people is a great way to get to know them because you're not awkwardly sitting across from them at a coffee, you know, like, so what's your favorite color? <laughs> right? But when you're walking, there's like action. You don't have to make direct eye contact. So I thought, wouldn't it be so cool if we could grab Rebecca? That's my hero of the faith that I get to talk about today. And if we could say, Rebecca, would you be comfortable with meeting just a couple hundred of us over at Alum Creek Dam and walking for a little bit? And we could ask you some questions, you know. Would you mind walking with us, maybe meeting us at High Banks for a little bit? And what are some things that you would say to us? And I came up with three things that I think that she would say to us, though let's be honest, she's a woman. So she would have said a lot more than three. But for the sake of time and our men in the room, I've cut it down to three. Okay, you're welcome. But Rebecca is kind of a silent hero in the faith. She's a little bit quiet. In fact, I was a little bit like intimidated because when I would tell people, oh, I'm preaching about Rebecca, they'd be like, who's that? <laughs> okay, okay, well. So this either goes in my favor or it goes against me. I'm not sure. We'll see. But in order to meet Rebecca, we first have to go back a couple of verses in Genesis 24 where we meet up with someone that we all know and love, Father Abraham. I had many sons. We meet up with Abraham, and Genesis tells us that at this point of his life, he's very old, and the Lord has blessed him in every way. That's what scripture says. He's very old, and the Lord has blessed him in every way, which we don't have to dig too deep into, like, the old Greek words to find out that that just means he's really rich. Like, his life has been good. God has taken good care of him, and he's in a good spot, but he's getting on in age, and he has this son, Isaac. Now, I just want to point out, everyone loves to hate on millennials, but this is like the original millennial, okay? Isaac is 40 years old. He's still living in his parents' house, and he's not married, okay? So you all love to hate on the 21st century, but can we all point at Isaac and say, get it together, bro, right? So Abraham's getting old, but he has this giant promise that God has given him that God is going to give him descendants as many as the stars, which means there's going to be more people in your family than you'll even be able to count. That's my promise to you. So Abraham has this in his mind, but in his life, he has this 40-year-old son who's still living at home and he's not married. So Abraham calls his servant into him. Scripture says that it was the oldest in his house, the chief of his servants. And he calls him into him and he says, I need you to make me a promise. All right, we've got this big promise from God that we need to see happen in our family. And that means Isaac's going to need to get married. So I need you to promise me that you will go home where we came from and you will find him a wife from there. Because at the time, Abraham was living in Cana, and the Canaanites were notoriously immoral people. It was a horrible place. So Abraham was looking around, and he was like, no, 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 there's this great destiny, and there's this great call for my family, and we can't have any of this. We don't want that immorality. We don't want that cursing mixed in with the blessing that God has given us. So I need you, my servant, to go and get him a wife from back home with our people, I need you to promise me, but also promise me that you won't let him go back there. You need to go and do that. Like, that is quite a promise, don't you think? Like, you need to go find the woman who's going to have all these children that are going to be as many of the stars. Go ahead, you know? So this servant is so fearless. He's like, absolutely, I promise. He makes that promise to him. And so we catch up with him in Genesis 24, verse 10. And it says this, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. 
taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water. At the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of their city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the daughter of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord, and she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels. That is such an amazing moment in the Bible to me that this servant is coming and he's praying and scripture says before he is even done speaking, this woman is walking out to him. So first of all, do you all wish that this man was still alive? Do you have some prayers that you could have him pray? Like, I mean, before he's even done speaking, ta-da, right? I'm like, come on, what is your secret? And his eyes weren't even closed because he saw her coming. So they're like, dang, that's an answered prayer right there. Right? But so he, he's praying, he's asking the Lord, God, please, please help me with this. This is a giant task that I have to do. Please help me with this. And lo and behold, here comes Rebecca, a beautiful girl, a maiden of marrying age, right? And I think that the first thing that we could really learn from Rebecca in her life is that she was fully present. Now we need to be present. If we want to be Rebecca's, we need to be present. Because here she is, she's coming out, this young lady, still living in her parents' house. She was doing chores for her parents, and I think, gosh, if anyone had any reason to be, like, distracted or in a bad mood, it'd be this girl who's like, I'm old enough to be married, and I'm not married, and look at me drawing water from my father's household, and not from my own. When is God going to send me a husband, right? She's walking out there. She, not that I've ever prayed that. I heard that other people have prayed that before, but <laughs> I wouldn't know. I read it in an article once. Um, no, but here she is. She's, she's fully present, and she's fully engaged, and she's, she's coming out, and she's fully present in the situation And then the servant comes to her and says, will you give me some water? And she says, of course, you know. And I think for the most part, we would look around and we'd be like, we're a group of of decent-ish people, right? If someone asked us for water, we would give them water. But that wasn't the prayer that the servant had prayed. The servant prayed that whoever I ask for water, and she gives me water, and then offers to water my camels, that will be the woman. That is the answer to my prayer. That is the answer to my problem. That's the solution. So here she is. The servant comes and says, will you give me some water? And she says, oh, absolutely, of course. But she is so present. She's so plugged into that situation that in a matter of seconds, it all clicks for her. Well, if you're thirsty, then your camels must need some water too. So I'll just go ahead and water your camels, right? And in that moment with that phrase and with her willingness to do that, she becomes the answer to this man's prayer. 
And I thought to myself, like, I wonder how many times do we do that? How many times do I walk into a situation and maybe I'm present enough to see, oh, you need a little bit of help? Do you, do you need some water? Do you need something from me? But am I present enough to really get to the heart of the situation so that I can be God's solution in the middle of that situation? So that I can be God's answer to that prayer? Because we live in a society, I don't think any of us can deny that we live in a society of people who are looking for an answer to prayer. How many of you are like, I'm one of them, man. I need an answer to some prayer, right? And I think that God delights to use us as his children. And he gives us these moments where we get to say, ta-da, here I am. But if we're not fully present and we're not fully plugged into the situation, we're going to miss the actual solution or the actual heart of the issue. But here she is. Well, if you need water, your camels are going to need water. I can do that too. Be present. Be present. Have you guys ever been there where you're at the grocery store and someone is trying to talk to you and you're like, yeah, because you accidentally wore an Adventure Church shirt and you're like, oh, yeah. But I do not have time for this. Like your inner dialogue is like, I cannot sit and talk to you. I don't have time. Right? We're distracted. How about honestly, the biggest thing that I could think of is learning to show grace for people is, y'all, I drive 315 southbound every morning. Every morning on my way to work at like 7.30, okay? So I get about halfway to work, and then people are trying to merge over, and you're like, absolutely not. I have been sitting here for 45 minutes, you know, and then you do like, I would never be rude to them, like, with my hands, you know what I mean? But, like, I have mastered the side glare as you drive by them, like, shame on you. You should have known that you needed to merge, and then you get in front of them with your Adventure Church bumper sticker, and you're like, blessings, (laughs) right? I'm just distracted. I'm not present in that moment to think ahead. You have an Adventure Church bumper on your sticker. Don't glare. Maybe don't let them get behind you. Or if you are going to glare, don't let them get behind you, right? We need to be fully present, fully present in our situation because here's Rebecca totally tuned in and she ends up changing her own destiny and the destiny of this servant by being the answer to the prayer before he didn't even finish praying his prayer. There she is. And she knew, she knew what needed to happen in that moment and she did it. That's amazing to me. And I don't think that's a unique to Rebecca thing. I think that's for each and every one of us. But I'm just oblivious sometimes. Be present. I think the second thing that Rebecca would say to us is to serve deeply. And you want to know the honesty? This is why I'm so unqualified to preach this message because when I first read this story, this moment, not story, when I first read about this moment in the Bible, I thought to myself, she is serving a servant. Like, she comes out, and how many of us, I mean, not me, obviously, but some of you might come out and be like, isn't that your actual job is to take care of your master's camels? Because as far as she knew, she's coming out, and she's seeing a servant and his camels. As far as she knew, the master had come with them, and he was in town doing some business. And yet here he is saying, could you give me some water? How many of us, our first instinct is to be like, isn't that actually your job? How about you give me some water because, you know. And then I thought, well, maybe she's precious and maybe this was like a little old guy. The Bible does say that he was the oldest in his house and the chief of his staff. But actually, commentary says that if this man was the chief of Abraham's staff, he would have been built for war. So this was a solid man, right? He was a warrior. So here comes this full-grown, strong man saying, can I have some water? Absolutely not. You give me some water. 
right? But that's not the heart that she took. She was completely poised and she was ready to serve. And then scripture tells us that she puts down her hand and she offers him some water. But not only that, not only that, but she runs to go and refill her jar. She runs to do it. She has this enthusiasm for, oh my gosh, you need water and your camels do too? Absolutely. And she takes off and she does it with her whole heart. She's serving a servant. Then what struck me about this text is I was looking at it and I was like, this was all before the New Testament. So this was before Jesus walked on the earth. But this is such a reflection of the entirety of the gospel, is it not? Jesus, who served a whole bunch of us who could do nothing for him. And Ryan, it's crazy that you talked about that in our little pep talk this morning, doing things for other people when they can't do anything for us. That is everything that Jesus did for us. Scripture tells us that we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead bodies when God found us. And what can dead bodies do for themselves? Nothing. We were dead in our sins and Jesus made us alive because of his grace and his love and his compassion for us. He gave it all and he served the lowest of the low servants in me. And yet here's Rebecca, even apart from having the word of God on hand, she gets it. She says, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? And she does it with her whole heart. She's running. And this is a huge job. I've never had to water camels, so I had to look it up. I'm assuming that this is a big deal, right? (laughs) So online it says, a thirsty camel would drink at least 10 gallons, and that the men, after traveling, because we have to assume the servant was not alone. No one would travel with 10 camels by themselves, right? So him and his men would drink at least like three gallons of water each. So here's this girl running back and forth, getting water, getting water, getting water. Even though it's not her job, she's running, she's doing it. She's serving so deeply. And that's exactly what needed to happen in that moment to change her life. And she didn't know it at the time. He didn't put that out there. He didn't say, hey, listen, if you do this for us, you're then going to go back with me and become the wife of one of the richest men in town, you know. Because I think for that, most of us would be motivated to run. (laughs) Yeah, really? Okay. Right? She didn't know that she was doing this out of the depth of her servanthood. And to me, I feel like that just shows that that's something that she was used to doing. She had practiced that before because we don't often step out in the hard things, do we? Like, oh, you need me to run to get water for camels? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, I'm not running. And this is actually, if I'm honest, where I don't feel like Rebecca would be a good person to meet at the dam because clearly she'd be like, I have a great idea, let's run the stairs. (laughs) Not today, Satan. Not today. Right? But here she is. She's running, which means that she has conditioned herself. She's prepared. She knows what it takes. I want to serve you. I want to serve you. And I know how to do that. I do it with my whole heart. I do it enthusiastically. I'm going to run and do it. Not complaining. That shows that it's already a part of who she is. That she has the servant's heart mentality and that it's natural for her. She didn't have to stop and think and weigh it out. Well, what's in it for me? She just did it. Again, that's a beautiful, beautiful reflection of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I also think that she would challenge us to go now and to do it now because a couple of moments later in the scripture, she invites these men back to her home to meet her, her parents and her family. And they're saying, the servant's telling them, hey, this is the woman that I want to bring home for my master's son to marry. I'm sure he's like selling himself up. Look at all these camels and all this stuff. He's so rich. He's so handsome. He's 40-ish, middle-aged. He's great. He's great. He's great. You know, 
And so his parents are saying to him, or her parents are saying to him, let her stay with us 10 days. You know, we want this time, we want this time. And the servant said, no, no, you cannot keep me. My servant is old and he has commanded me to do this. We have to go. I have to bring her home now. And so the mom says, well, bring her to us. We'll ask her what she says. And she says, no, let's go. Her response is, let's go, right? And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and they spent the night there. And when they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days after that she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her. Nope, that's it. You'll have to read the Bible if you want to know what they said to her. <laughs> that's in Genesis, right? So they sent her away, and they sent her, and she was ready. She said, no, let's go. Which to me says that, again, she had built something into her life. She had built into her life a pattern of response. If that's what you want me to do, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go, Sure. Sure, no problem. I'll do it. I can handle that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll serve. Yeah, for sure. I can do that. Right? And that's, that's something that you learn. That's something that you, that you build into yourself. Because I don't think that God asks us to do giant things after we've never said yes to anything. Right? He starts small. I had um, a week ago on Thursday, I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I just had one of those mornings where everything was ridiculous. Like, for lack of a better word, it just was ridiculous. So, like, one thing after another, they're like, I, I cannot... I literally can't even, right? Like, I just can't handle this. Everything was messing with my head. I was having such a hard morning. I wanted to cry all morning, but I'm an adult. You can't do that in public and all this stuff. So I'm having a really bad morning, and I get a text out of the blue um, from a new friend. I don't know her very well. I would like to, but I don't know her very well. She sent me this text. She said, Standing firm in the armor of God doesn't stop the spiritual warfare from raging, it stops it from defeating you. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I needed that so much. And that's one of those things when it was at the right moment that you're like, only God could have told you that I needed that at that exact moment, right? Does that ever happen to you? You get those things? So I texted her back and I was like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I needed that. I needed that so much. And she said, oh, it's nothing. That was her response. Oh, it's nothing. And this has been, this word, this word about serving deeply and going now has been on my heart. And I was like, no, that's, that's not nothing. That was a stirring in your heart from God to say that Kaylee needed that at that exact moment. And you did it. And you did it at that exact moment. You were obedient. That's not nothing. That's you stepping out and building into your life a pattern of response. And when God sees that over and over and over again, he knows, hey, that could be the answer to someone's prayer. I can use them. I can use them. Right? Because how many of us in this series, not that you would ever be so brave as to say, well, I hope that I make it into the Hall of Fame one day in my faith. But like, that's part of all of us, right? We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't want to be solid men and women of the faith. But how many of us look at these moments and think, man, would I be faithful enough to offer to water 10 camels? Would I be faithful enough to do that? And the answer is probably not. If you're not faithful enough to send the text or to pay for the Starbucks of the person behind you, or whatever it is that God is asking you to do that feels so tiny and so small and so insignificant or even scares you a little, if we don't respond to those moments, then we're not going to be ready for the big moments that really can impact and change our lives and the lives of the other person forever. Because it starts with this. It starts with the little text. 
It starts with those tiny things. And you know, I started thinking about all the cliches that I could throw in here, like, you know, you need to seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity. Woo, you know, all that kind of fits there. But I don't think that it is wrong for us to let these moments pass. I don't think it's disobedience if we don't respond to God's call. I just think that we miss the opportunity. And God will find somebody else. He can find somebody else. But do you want that? Do you want that to be your story? Because here we are all these years later, we're talking about Rebecca. Do you know why? Because Rebecca was the one who did it. She was the one who responded. She was the one who did it. She was the one who served deeply. She was the one who was present in that situation. It can still get done. Abraham needed that wife for his son. The servant was on a mission. It was going to happen. But it ended up being Rebecca. That's her, that's her moment that we're talking about right now. And that can be your moment. That can be my moment. But we have to start right now being present, being fully plugged in, serving deeply and doing it right now. Can I just fuss for a second at you guys about, about Christian people? Can we do that? Can you fuss about Christians in church? One of the things that I just find really puzzling to me is when people are presented with an opportunity. And I'm not making fun of you if you've done this, but God might be convicting you a little bit. I'm not sure. But when you present someone with an opportunity that's not really life-changing, it's just an opportunity, and they say something like, um, I'll pray about it. Hmm, really? Do you really think that you're going to go into prayer and be like, I don't know, God, do you want me to be a blessing to this person or don't you? Does he ever say no, actually? Actually, does he, though? You know, big, big, big things. I mean, if you're talking about, like, selling all your stuff and moving across the world to become a missionary in a third world country, that's prayer worthy. I'll give you that. If you're, like, looking at adopting children or whatever it is that you're looking at that's big, there are some prayer worthy things. I'm going to have to commit that to prayer. But if it's like I'm coming up to you and I'm like, hey, do you want to serve in adventure? I don't think you have to pray about it. It's either yes or no, right? Or at least, at the very least, as Christians, can we start to make our prayers a little more honest instead of being like, Lord, do you want me to take this opportunity to join the parking team or don't you? I'll wait for a sign, right? Like, let's start being honest. Like, all right, Lord, do you want me to get up early on a Sunday morning and stand out on the heat and sweat a little bit just so I can make someone feel welcome? Everything that I know to be true about God, he's going to say, yeah, I do. I do, right? I love that Rebecca didn't pause. She didn't pray about it. She didn't say, let's take 10 days to pray and fast. You know, let me, let me journal on it a little bit. Let me find some scriptures that line up with that. She said, let's go. You got a rich man for me? Let's go. <laughs> she did. She said it. That's what it says. That's the message version. Let's go. Okay. Now, can we get the worship team to come on up? I'm going to close. Are you proud of me? I'm closing on time, and the kids aren't even in the back with me. You know, thank you. Thank you. I just love Rebecca. I love her life. I love the beauty that we see here in these moments. And she wasn't perfect, lest you walk away and be like, well, isn't she just too sweet for words? She did have some moments later on where she had a, a little issues, a couple issues, and you can read that. You can read that in the Bible. She wasn't perfect, but, but her whole life changed in that one moment because of those principles of being present, of serving deeply, and of, of responding immediately to what God was asking her to do. Her whole life changed. Her whole destiny changed. Here she was, this unmarried girl living in her parents' home, probably longing for something. Because remember, she's a real person with real feelings. Yeah. She was probably feeling disappointed, 
You know, and maybe you've been there, maybe not in getting married, but maybe in waiting for kids, waiting for the dream job, feeling like everyone's life is moving along except for mine. I'm just, just here, just hanging out. You're so tempted to check out of that moment because you can. Those are valid things because you carry valid heartbreak or you carry valid discouragement or disappointment or disillusionment. That's valid. We're not saying that it's not. But Rebecca was a real person with real feelings who carried real issues too. And yet in that moment, she was fully present. If you're going to need water, your camels are going to need water too. I can do that for you. And she did it with enthusiasm. She didn't do it with a bad attitude. She didn't do it because she had to. She ran to get water. She was enthusiastic. This is an opportunity for me to serve, and I'm going to do it with my whole heart, even though it doesn't look the way I thought it would, because here I am, serving servants. (laughs) She did it with her whole heart. She ran, and she responded immediately. Let me take her home so she can marry my master's son. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. I'm all in. And it made me think, all right, so I want to be a Rebecca. I want to be the answer to people's prayers. I want to be the solution to problems. I want to be the carrier of water to thirsty people. And here's what struck me about this is that Rebecca was living before Christ, and we live after Christ. So how does that change things? What looks different for us? And there was another really significant exchange between a man and a woman at a well many, many, many years later. Jesus was sitting at a well, and a woman came, and he asked her for water. She kind of looked at him and said, you must not know who I am, because I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew, and we, we don't talk to each other. You certainly shouldn't be drinking out of my jug. And he said to her, well, you must not know who I am, because if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water that never runs dry. And I love her. I love her. She's so spicy. She's like... I don't see you carrying a jar. How are you going to get me water? Right? She has attitude to Jesus' face. I don't see you. got nothing to draw water with. What are you going to do? And he says this to her in John 4, 13 through 14. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. This water. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So if you're in this place right now and you're thinking, you know what, I want to be a Rebecca, the really cool part is, is that we don't have to wait at the well for a moment to happen. We carry the well inside of us. Everywhere we go, we are carriers of the water, of living water. I love that. That means that I don't have to hang out in the Kroger aisles waiting for someone like, hello, I'm here to be answering prayers. You're welcome. Pastor Kaylee is here. Right? Every situation I walk into, I'm carrying the living water. So if I encounter someone who's thirsty, even on 315 southbound at 745 in the morning, I can give them water because I have living water inside of me. That is amazing. That is the joy and the privilege of living after Jesus walked on the earth because we carry it with us. Which means that to every situation that we find ourselves in, our response can be, do you need water? Do you need water for your family? Do you need water for your finances? Do you need water for your job situation? Do you need water for this? I got it. And it never runs dry. So I don't, I don't know where you are right now. Maybe, maybe you never had that living water and you're thinking, that's, that's what I need. I need to start there. I need my own encounter. You have come to the perfect place. This is a great place to meet Jesus and to have an encounter with him because he's here. 
and you're surrounded by people who have that living water. But I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, we're saying, no, I really am the Rebecca. I have that living water. I just have been missing some of these being present moments, which, let's be honest, in the 21st century, that's hard. That's really hard. <laughs> right? We need to be present. We need to be plugged in. We need to serve. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're like, Lord, I just... You know, I've done some things, but it hasn't been with my whole heart, and I haven't been willing to serve people who could do nothing for me, or maybe I'm always looking for something in return. I need to learn how to serve. Or maybe for you, it's just a response thing. They're like, I have been dragging my feet. I've been praying about joining the parking team. And today, God's saying, if you want to. Wherever you are today, this is for you. You too can be Rebecca. You too can be the answer to someone's prayer. Stand your feet all across the room, please. (coughs) Father God, it is an honor to be in your house to worship you. It is an honor to be part of this family. This family with you, God, where you have called us and you have chosen us and you have brought us in and you have filled us to overflowing with living water that never runs dry. But I love that. I love that we have this opportunity to be together to serve you and to worship you. But may we be faithful to really latch on to the truth in this moment. That you give us opportunities each and every day to be a blessing, to be used by you, to be your hands and your feet. And I don't want to miss them. Holy Spirit, would you soften our hearts to you? Would you speak to us right now? Would you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand the things that we've been missing? And may we tune in. May we come fully alive in our faith. May we come fully alive and overflowing with this water that bubbles up deep inside of us that never runs dry. And may we be carriers of the well everywhere we go, every time, every response comes from a deep place of who you are and what you have done. May everything we do be in response to you and who you are and all that you've done for us. We love you, Lord, in your name.